Hello, hello, and welcome to The Station Tapes on 21 Soul. I'm your host, Lewis Marks, and on this podcast, I share intimate interviews with some of the best musicians in the world. In my role at Ropadope, I interview each artist as we prepare for the release of their latest record. I want to get the backstory, a sense of their intent, their motivation around the new release. I found that given the opportunity in a relaxed setting, they feel free to open up about life and the challenges of being a professional musician. This week, Mr. Brian Wolf from Drums and Tuba. If you were around in the experimental years at the turn of the last century, checking in on artists like MMW and Les Claypool, you know this band. Started on the streets of Austin, Texas, Drums and Tuba is Brian and drummer Tony Nozero. Together they explore songs and structure as they hear it, and the unique sounds they create appeal to punk rock as much as jazz. Let's hear Brian break it down. Brian Wolf from Drums and Tuba. Hey, Brian. Hey, how are you? I am well. Now I have an answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, one of the first things that I want to ask you, uh, and this question probably says more about me than it does about you, but I wanted to get your, you know, get it from your side of the fence, and it might have something to do with the term I heard on one of your videos called meta hipster um how come i don't know about your band uh <laughs> how come well that's that's hard to say um if we, we were sort of uh you know a musician's kind of band that if you were in the know you knew about and if you didn't uh you probably wouldn't um you know we did a lot of stuff back in the day but um, I think that it was very much a niche kind of music. I think anytime you have alternate instrumentation and doing something a little different, uh, you can kind of fall in the cracks. So I'm sort of surprised when people are aware of the band and then at the same time surprised when they're not. Gotcha. I suspect the answer might be that I'm not cool enough. Uh, or you're too cool. I don't it's know. one or the other. Or both at the same time. So um, can, let, let's get a timeline then. Because, I mean, I, I've, been, I've, I've, I've been able to hang with some of the cool people in my day with, you know, the MMW and even, even, even touching a degree of separation from Buckethead, I think, you know. But I, I never... Yeah drums and tube on my radar so i want to get a timeline uh when did you start playing when did you form this project? uh well me and the drummer started in 1994 uh, we were both working at uh, the original uh whole foods in austin texas or actually we weren't that's 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 not technically correct we were working in a at like a deli counter through this place called Martin Brothers, which rented space in the Whole Foods. And I distinctly remember one of those life-changing events where uh, me, me and Tony Nazaro, the drummer, we were, we were working behind the counter and this guy in the meat department was really into us and he would hit on us all the time and he would bring us packaged meats. <laughs> and uh, I remember him one time telling us, you guys should really get a job in the actual Whole Foods 
because they give you stock options. And I distinctly remember saying to him, why would I want stock options in this terrible health food store? And the rest is history. That is that is a life change. That, that's a decision right there when you know when you know where you're headed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he was. A, he's a wealthy man today. And and was still packaging the meats. Um, yeah. That's a great great story. So then the evolution. So Austin, Texas. That I didn't even realize that. And that's that's. Yeah, that's where we all uh, we all met up. Um, me and the drummer, and then. For the first little while, we went uh, by the moniker Just Drums and Tuba. Yes. We played a bunch of shows uh, as just me and the drummer. And eventually, we added a guitar player, this guy, Neil McKeeby. And so for, for a very long time, it was a, tri a trio. And we just kind of dropped the Just part of the Drums and Tuba. I, I appreciate you're dumbing it down for people uh, as just drums and tuba in case drums and tuba was not explicit, clear enough for people. Yeah, uh, yeah it's not explicit enough. I mean, for, we, we had a lot of uh, long arguments over the band name of whether, you know, A, whether we should add and guitar at that point, which we just definitely decided not to do, but whether it was a little too uh, meta to have the band name just the actual instrumentation but uh we couldn't really agree on a name and so we just stuck with it so in in those early days you know what 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 were the commonalities you had with tony like you know was it was it both inspired by the same thing uh well yeah we we i mean we both had different tastes but we had enough in common that uh, it made a lot of sense to play together. We were both into a lot of punk rock stuff and, uh, you know, Minutemen kind of thing. And, um, but we both really liked like Sonny Chirac and a lot of out there jazz. And uh, at first, the first increment of the band was very stripped down. There were no electronics. There was, you know, I was super into the idea that I could make any sounds acoustically. And so the first iteration was very much kind of a raw, more punk rock kind of thing. And that's prevalent, uh, I think, on the first few albums that we did, which uh, the first, first ones that came out were Box Fetish and I think Flying Ballerina. Mm -hmm. But there were a bunch of like cassette tapes before that and that kind of thing, which weren't cool then but i guess cassette tapes are back in now right yeah yeah i think we're we're all, we're all frantically searching the past for authenticity you know yeah that is so uh, confusing as far as what's real and what's not uh, totally so that's fascinating but people can find those two albums for those that are going to uh, do their homework and dig back here as they become you know like new, new fans they become familiar they, they can find those first two records out in those Places. Yeah, there's, I mean, I think somewhere in the universe, most of the stuff is available. Um, I sort of sometimes just put it up on my website and, you know, uh, there's, there's, I think there's stuff on Spotify and that kind of thing. Most of them are up there. Uh, there are lots of albums and um, so they'll be all in different places and that kind of thing. Cool. So, but it's all out there somewhere in the, in the, Cyber world. Uh, I want to date, and we'll do our best to connect all the dots. 
Um, yes, exactly. So, you know, at some point you, 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 you got to be a, an aficionado with pedals and gear and looping, right? I mean, how- yeah. So for me, um, that all pretty clearly came from a band called Spaceheads, which is a trumpet drums duo from England. And, uh, I mean, this is way back in the day. Um, they were coming to the United States, and I don't even know how they got Tony Nozero's the drummer's number. Um, but, you know, we were doing a lot of booking. We, I mean, we were booking ourselves, and somebody contacted him about getting this band some shows, like that we would do some shows for them as they passed through the South. That was when we were all living in Austin at the time. And uh, so we booked them like a few shows in like uh, Baton Rouge and, and, and Austin and a couple of other places. And I remember playing a first show with them in Baton Rouge and we showed up and uh, it was through this friend of ours, supposed to be at the, like the one club in uh, actually it was Lafayette. Lafayette. Excuse me. It was not Baton Rouge. And uh, so we show up to the club and the club was closed down. And this friend of ours, Bernard, who was a great guy, but also kind of sketchy sometimes, he just sort of called me on the phone. He's like, yeah, 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 the club's closed down, but I found a coffee shop. So we we set up in, in this like coffee shop instead. And so it was completely random. Like nobody would have known in advance that we were playing. But so we played and then this band Spaceheads played. And I remember sitting in this coffee shop in Lafayette, Louisiana, and just watching these two guys play. And they were like world-class musicians. You know, I mean, I would put them up there with any players I've ever seen on any stage, you know, and I've toured with a lot of people. And they were as good as anybody. And I was thinking, you know, you could walk into a coffee shop. Because sometimes I get very cynical. Like I haven't... You know, I'll be like, ah, you know, everything's just been done and I've seen it all. And, you know, I want to see something new. And then, you know, in these moments, you realize you could walk into a coffee shop in Lafayette, Louisiana, and see two of the world's greatest musicians playing. And you just never know. And so they blew my mind and they did a lot of like looping. He was actually using um, just Digitech time machines which would just have long delays, which you could then hold. So they weren't really like loop machines. This is even before loop machines were prevalent. And so he would just kind of like play these bass lines like in perfect sync with the delay and then hit the hold button so that he could like create these, um, you know, loop based things. And they would play these songs and it was really amazing. And so at that point I was like, you know what? It was the first time I'd ever seen someone use pedals as not just um you know a lot of guys like oh here's this cool effect i can make this crazy sound and so this is the first time i'd seen somebody who was trying to make a whole kind of music and the pedals were just a means of getting there as opposed to like a trick and so i basically copped most of what i do from that guy this andy diagram was his name Andy Diagram? Yes. And uh, I think we had some song on Vinyl Killer. It was called The Diagram. And that was sort of a tribute to him. Yeah, two things interesting to me about that, and and you got right to it, about, you know, composing with with gear. Uh, 
uh, as opposed to just you know adding sounds like <laughs> like a Spike Jones kind of thing, right? <laughs> and the second is that I think a lot of people today, you know, here we are, 20, 2018, right? Um, might not realize you know what went on back in the '90s in the base of all this stuff, you know, that, it, that it's been going on for a long, long time. Uh, and, yeah, I I definitely get friends of mine posting like, check out this loop guy, you know, it's like, yeah, that's, it's not the newest thing <laughs> ever. It's been done, you know, this people have do, been doing this stuff for ages, you know, like people were doing uh, like tape loop stuff, you know, back in like, uh, you know, what, what was it? Um, God, what is that classical guy's name? He was doing it like in the 1930s, in the different th tape loop things. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's anyway, the concept's been there for a while. Yeah, it's fascinating how people, you know, how you guys just can, can create something that's in a need and a vision. I have a yeah, well, to me, the hard part, though, along that is, I mean, it's easy to throw down a loop and to solo. Like, the, if the idea is to, like, create a groove and then solo around, but, but to me, what's really interesting about it is using the loops in such a fashion that you're constructing a song that has levels and dimensions and, and, and can go somewhere, you know, as opposed to just laying down something that repeats. It's, you know, that's, that's the easy part. The hard part is, is creating form out of loops. Fascinating. Fascinating. So let's, uh, let's fast forward them over a decade or two um, to the new, record that is coming out here at Ropido uh, this spring. Uh, Triumph Goat, is that right? Triumph. Just Triumph. Just Triumph is going to be the title. There's an exclamation point. I but I, a, I thought I saw Triumph Goat somewhere. Well, that was probably... Um, <laughs> Maybe I sent it in some form that it that it it had that title. But Goat is the uh, engineer, uh, and uh, that, so that I was working with. Got it. There you go. So I assumed that the name was Triumph Goat. So yes, that was just the file. So I remember. Uh, yeah. yeah. I can't know. really ask you why why Triumph, or maybe I can. What, what, why, why? Well, yeah, uh, it's that's the um, I mean, I guess one would say the title track is uh, called Triumph, the Triumph of Delusion, and that song is about how uh, we're all kind of deluding ourselves in one form or another, and and I've sort of firmly, I mean, certainly when you play the tuba and you're playing rock and roll music there's a certain level of which you have to delude yourself into thinking this is something that will translate to other people. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the concept of the song is that if you aren't able to delude yourself, you probably won't get anything done in life. You know, if you're, if, cause there's always people telling you that's not a good idea. Don't do that. You can't do that. There's always naysayers in whatever you do in life. And uh, that was a song that I sort of wrote to myself to just remember that it's okay to be a little delusional. Fascinating. Uh, this is a topic I think of all the time from the way we present ourselves to, you know, what, what is real and what is not. And, and, you know, half of my life I was on a search for truth and until I realized that 
it, it may not be all it's cracked up to be because yeah it may not be all it's cracked up to be it may not really exist but we, we you know you have to kind of create truth for yourself in your own life and live by the things that you choose to believe in and while still being able to accept that there are other forms of reality that other people choose to believe in. I hear that. I, I also So that's kind of the concept and you know the 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 um title picture, I mean the, the album cover is uh my friend Bubakar, who is also one of the songs. I, I I have a lot of coworkers at the bar I work at in New York City, all whom of whom I respect. And Bubakar is a guy who's like I mean he's he's got like three jobs Nobody works as hard as him. He's got a great attitude. And uh, um, just this little tiny guy from East Africa. And uh, to me, he's like his work ethic and love of life sort of is something that we can all aspire to. And a lot of my songs are kind of depressing. So there's, <laughs> there's, there's like a level at which I like to be kind of dark but uplifting at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I wanted to uh, accentuate that with the uh, title song and the concept of the album. The cover is beautiful. Uh, people can look this up. It's you know, it is it is exactly that. It reveals some depth and, and, and struggle, but but at the same time, yeah, he's uh, you can he's one of those people you could see the energy and the and the light of who he is. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think from a politics standpoint, obviously, you know, in our society, we choose to think that the people who have these like high paying corporate jobs are the people who are working the hardest and doing the most in society. But really, there's a whole underbelly of society full of people who, I mean, nobody works harder than the guys working in kitchens and whatever doing all the jobs that allow us to enjoy the fruits of our lives. And, uh, you know, quite often, I, mean, I think it's very important to be around those people and to realize that, um, you know, there are all different kinds of contributions to society. And just because you don't make a lot of money doesn't mean you don't work 10 times harder than someone who does. That's beautiful. I, and I appreciate that. I mean, I think we're, we're... There's this uh, awakening happening where people are realizing exactly what you said, and, and uh, it's it's mostly just uh, we've been sold the concept that uh, more dollars equals more work and 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 more intelligence and certainly more power apparently. But we'll yeah, well that yeah, obviously that's a given. But it's the it's the intelligence and the contribution to society that we can overlook, you know, quite easily. I think it's yeah, and I think I think it's becoming obvious to so many people. Um, what? Uh, let me get a side question in. Um, it's just something I always wanted to know, and, it, and it's just a little humorous question, but it, but I but I do want to know um, that bucket that Buckethead has all the time. Uh huh. That pre uh, fried chicken or or post? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, I can't say if it is pre or post, but I can't tell you it's clean. It is clean. I did not smell any fried chicken on it anymore, but you know, they could have had chicken in it at one point, but um, yeah. One of my my goals in life. Uh, Yeah. 
So I have the- seen him without. I have seen him without the bucket. Oh wow! Yeah, you're not allowed to tell us anything. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I probably should plead the fifth on this one. There you go. Um, so, uh, so talk about the rest of the record, and, and you know, you know who the, who who else is playing. Um, well, I have a few of my friends from New Orleans. I, I recorded most of it in New Orleans. A couple tracks I laid down, um, like a certain amount of it in my apartment. But most of the tracks were recorded uh, in New Orleans. In previous albums that I'd done, um, I just bang them out. So I go in and I record in two days, and the album's done in a week. And so on this one, I decided, you know, and I usually just bring in all the loops and that kind of thing. On this one, I decided to do a little more organically and take my time and, uh, you know, really uh, do all the all the loops um, in the actual recording process. And um, there's a few reasons for that. One is that uh, I really love New Orleans. I lived there a couple of years. I miss it. And I think about moving back all the time. And so part of me was like, I think I'm taking a long time on this album because it's just an excuse to go to New Orleans and hang out with all my friends <laughs> and enjoy life there. So I definitely spread it out along that sense. But also, um, sonically, um, with a lot, of, a lot of the looping I do, it's all generated from the tuba. So it creates like maybe on the recordings... Uh, like in live, it'll be a really big sound, but sometimes in the past on the recordings, it's sort of been a smaller, more constricted sound because everything's coming from a, the same source. So I in, I decided this time to like replay, uh, to replace, like instead of my banging on the tuba, in some instances, then I'll actually hit a drum or some big piece of metal or other objects to replace um, some of the uh, internal loops with, you know, outside acoustical things. And I tried to do things with different instruments as well. Um, my friend Jonathan Freilich lives down there, played guitar on one song, and uh, Ben Elman played some saxophones on a bunch of the tracks. And um, obviously Tony played drums. Uh, my friend Steve Garifano played some drums as well and a bunch of percussion put some timpani on there and different things like that. And uh, it was just really an opportunity for me. I mean, I kind of, I mean, some of the tracks would have like 90 different tracks. I mean, we really kind of went a little nuts with it. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, it was a fun experience. I'd never really recorded that way where where I'd, I'd, I didn't have like a, it, I got to finish by next week kind of timeline with it and just could enjoy the process and have fun with it. Do, do you, I mean, do you, I, I'm assuming there's not charts, right? So, I mean, like, do you have a, an idea of what the, what the, what a, what a composition of song is going to be? Before you yeah, I don't have any charts, but I'm someone who is very, uh, very organized in that sense. Like, I like to leave some freedom, but um, in order, the way I, I do things, it's very constructed. And it and it has to the parts have to fit a certain way in order to get the song to where I want to go. So um, for me, yeah, I probably if I was more interested in it, I could write out the charts and it would be 
pretty similar um, every time. Like, uh, you know, while I wanted to be more organic with it, I also, I could play all the songs live right. quite similar to the way they are on the record, which is also a factor to me. Like, uh, you know, it's important to me to not go too out there with the recording such that then I was having to like relearn the songs in order to play shows. You know, the songs are live songs that are just done slightly differently for the recording purposes. So you can get to the end and, and listen to the recording and say, yeah, yeah that, that's that's what I imagined or that's, that's what I actually... Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think in anything, it never comes out quite exactly as you intend, mm -hmm. you know, but that's more from a performance standpoint where I'm always listening to little moments and just being like, yeah, you know, if only I could sing like so-and-so or if only, you know, I was could play tuba like Marcus Rojas or something like that, you know what I mean? But beyond that, it it's definitely very close to the idea or concept that I have in my head prior to the recording. Fascinating to me. Just fascinating. Um, beautiful. So uh, my, my final question, sir, um, is, is there a way that you can describe in words of, you know, what it is you want to say with the music that you create? Uh, this is a big one. Because uh, I'm definitely a firm believer in letting things speak for themselves and letting people interpret things for themselves. And part of what I've always enjoyed in doing what I do, um, which is I sort of see it as, in my head, it's very accessible music. But it doesn't quite fit. It's, some, it's a kind of music that sort of falls in between the cracks, you know, like where it doesn't quite fit a particular genre. Um, I, mean, I can remember like way back um, in the drums and tuba days when we were doing like 250 shows a year, we were broke down in the supermarket parking lot. Uh, I think we had a flat tire and we were changing it. This dude came by and he was like super Louisiana Southern. He's like, ah, y'all in a band? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, what kind of music do you play? And we were like, nah, I don't, I don't know. You know, like we didn't have a good answer for that. And uh, so he started to get really pissed off at us because he thought everybody knows what kind of music they play that these guys have to know. And they're just like fucking with me. So he's like, well, you know, like what, what kind of instruments? And they're like, yeah, well, there's tuba and drums, and, you know, and the guitar at the time. And, he, and he's like, well, you know, it's jazz music. Like, nah, it's definitely not jazz, man. And then he's like, the country. It's like, no. And he just like went through all these different musical genres. And he was just like, yeah, not really. And then after a while, he was just like, yeah, well, fuck y'all. And then he took <laughs> off. <laughs> you know? So for me, like we would show up at a club and, and people would see me unpack the tuba and be like, there's certain expectations of what kind of music and what, what, the, what we're trying to do. And to me, the, the fun of it was always... Uh, defying those expectations you know it's like people ask me what what kind of music is and i said well i'll tell you whatever you're imagining that's not it wow and that was really that was really my best answer but so far as, as far as like the overall of what i'm trying to convey i don't know if there's a specific message or anything that i'm i'm getting at personally 
to me, uh, this is just the music that's my music and it's what I like. And I try to think as little as possible about anybody else's expectations or, and I just sort of try to follow whatever that muse is and whatever people think it is, you know, people come up, up to you after a show and it's like, yeah, you know, you, that was great. You guys sounded just like Black Sabbath. And I, I mean, that was literally what someone said to me one time. In my head, I'm thinking like, this to me uh, sounds nothing like Black Sabbath. I don't listen to Black Sabbath. I don't even remotely see where you're coming from. But if that's what you're interpreting, then that's legit. You know, other people, no matter what the show is like, they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, you guys are like a great jazz band. And I, that really confused me for a while because I don't think it has anything to do with jazz. You know, there's really, there's not the chord changes, there's no soloing. And then I realized for some people, if there's a horn, it's jazz music. You know, that's just a certain kind of person. If they see a tuba or a trombone or a trumpet, they only associate that with jazz. And then who am I to say that they're wrong? I don't, you know, to me, the categorization and the the point of it is all up to the individual. It is fascinating. I think because, um, and, and and I think you're saying, you know, Let's get to that part where the logical discussion is sort of disarmed. And however you want to reapply that logical interpretation, that's fine. But let's enjoy the music. Um, I, I don't, I, as you speak, I don't really understand why we do want to con- constantly be logical and, and classified. Well, I think that's it's human nature. Like, in order for us to understand things, human beings need to categorize them. And that's that's just how, you know, if you look into science, everything, I mean, I'm studying organic chemistry right now. And it's like, if in in order to understand stuff, we got to like categorize them. Otherwise, we can't really wrap our minds around everything. But a lot of those categorizations are just totally haphazard and aren't really, you know, the more you learn in science, the more you realize a lot of these rules that we're following and categorizations are just made up so that we can understand stuff. And they, there's all kinds of things that break all the, all these various rules, but we need them, you know, in order to understand things. So I think it's just that all that comes from human nature. But I mean, my favorite record store is not that record stores exist anymore. We're always the ones that just went from A to Z, you know, but most record stores would, you know, there were a few that were like that, but most of the record stores would, you know, there'd be the jazz section and then this section. And then where do you put X album that's kind of a rock album, but it's sort of a jazz album, but it's kind of punk rock, you know, like where does uh, Naked City go? Like John Zorn's old band, you know, what? Right. But, but we need those, you know, people want to walk in and, and be able to go to the section of the music that they like. Once I did a little experiment, you know, it was during one of the times when I was exceptionally poor, but and I got some uh, blank cassette tapes and I recorded a bunch of my friends, uh, and uh, and I didn't label any of them intentionally. Uh, I guess I was kind of like pre hipster thinking I was doing that. Uh, yeah. You know, it was nice to just put music on without without having that filter on. But then one day, I just like had to listen to some Bob Marley, and it took me about thirty five <laughs> to find it. Like, oh, that's why you do that. 
you know? Yeah. So this is why. So we don't have to waste, we don't have to go ev- through everything and every time. But I did, you know, that fits into me, like going to see bands. Uh, I, there's like a thing I call the eye test sometimes where, um, you know, if, if you've got your eyes open and you're watching the band, you might have one interpretation. And then what if you close your eyes, you're not looking at them and you're not seeing what their physical whatever is portraying. What's, do you have the same interpretation of the band, you know, like when it's just music or does your interpretation change? And, there, you know, there were a number of examples of that for me were like a band that everybody's like, yeah, this is so punk rock or whatever. And then, you know, or, and then uh, you kind of close your eyes and you're like, is, is that, is this really, you know, it seems like kind of just like a blues band, you know, and, or just instances of that where, you know, maybe what the people are wearing or something is conveying something that the music isn't necessarily conveying. Right. So for me, it was always helpful to like, close my eyes and and listen to something without the expectations of what they look like or what other people have told me about the band Excellent. and you know make up your own mind you know that's the best advice and i, I encourage people as we wrap this up to, to to put this record on close their eyes and uh, see what appears see what they feel uh, right because you can you can like listen to it and geek out and think like, oh, is that, is that, how is that tuba sounding like that? Or how is he getting this sound? Or you can just kind of let it happen and judge the music as a whole on its own and not really care about what the individual sounds, where they're coming from or what they are, you know, which I think a lot, you know, everything works on both those levels from the musicianship level and the song level. And sometimes they're compatible and sometimes they're not. Beautiful. Well, that's our show for the week. Thanks for listening to the Station Tapes. If you like what we do, please subscribe on Mixcloud at 21 Soul. And you can also find us on Stitcher, Apple, and Spotify. Our 21 Soul video series features in-person interviews, music discussion, and live performances. And you can find that on YouTube at Ropeadope99. Big thanks to our producer, Nick Perry. Our general manager is Fran DeRubo. The Station Tapes theme song is from Red Hook Soul by Michael Blake. And big thanks to all the people who keep the flame burning, to all the musicians who pour their creativity into the world, and thanks to those of you who are taking the time to listen. We hope you enjoy the show. Music